Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We're sorry. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show, bouncing back onto the air this week in spite of alarmingly ferocious popular demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight, but I don't do this show on my own, even though many people have suggested it would be a lot better if that were the case. With me in the studio is Mr Deadwood himself, Tony Kerr. Yeah, I'm definitely going to write your intro next week. And you have to read it as well, I think. That's contract- you're contractually obliged to read whatever I write next week. Okay, yeah, we can go with that. You did say that you were going to do the intro one week, uh, but then you panicked and uh, got all flustered when you tried to do it. So yeah, if you want to just write it and I say it, that's fine. Yeah. Interesting experiment. You still most of my other lines, so I might as well just write something actively for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what happens a lot, listeners may not be aware of this, is uh, we're having a conversation. Tony comes out with a, a great gag. Uh, and then in the editing process, I edit out what Tony said and re-record it myself saying it. And I also have like a, a Tony laugh, just like a canned laugh that I've got in the editing studio. And I just put that in after what I said. It's say. pretty annoying, actually, when I listen back, you know, disheartening. You know, I'm surprised I've stuck at it. Mate. Well, I mean, you, you did sign the contract, though, so 11 <laughs> anyway, years. I'm, I'm on fire tonight, I feel like. Well, that might not sound like it. No, no, mate, I'm bouncing. I've got I'm lots really, of energy. I'm really up for I'm it really tonight. Up for it tonight. You, you, should have, you should have a lot of energy because, you know, we've been away for a week. One whole week time. We've been away for a week. Had a little holiday. So really, you should just be fresh now. How did you spend your, your week off? Uh, golfing? Golfing. Turn off the Blackberry and get away from it all? I can't remember. I watched some golf. Did you do anything productive? No. I was hoping that I'd be quite productive. I sort of thought to myself, oh, it'd be a, you know, a great opportunity to, to sort my life out. Uh, which a lot of people around me would argue is is long overdue. Uh, but yeah, I didn't really manage to do that. I did manage to watch quite a few episodes of The Wire. Uh, Again. A few episodes of Game of Thrones as well. I've started re-watching The West Wing for the third time. Right. P- listeners will be wondering how much time you've got <laughs> on your hands. Uh, you know, should, you be rec- should we do more podcasts I don't know, <laughs> to fill that, trying to give you something to do? Should we talk about what's coming up on the show today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Go on then, let's do it. All right. Well, we're going to be answering more of your questions on our critically acclaimed item, Got a Question. Uh, It was a roaring success two weeks ago, Uh, so we're bringing it back for another instalment. Questions on everything from the IPL to bodyboarding to Mike Gatting. So lots to look forward to there. Hopefully there'll be time for some side notes as well. But the cricket season is fast approaching, Tane. We had our first net of the season on Monday night, didn't we? We did. Back in action. Listeners might remember that... uh, Last summer, me and Tony, having taken a seven-year break from playing cricket competitively, returned to action for a team in Guernsey Evening League Division 4 called Kobo Legends. Uh, We won promotion at the end of the season. We're in Division 3 this year, and we had our first pre-season net on Monday night. I'll tell you what, Tony, my muscles have not stopped aching since then. Yeah, I mean, I'm in quite a lot of pain. My intercostal muscles, the ones between my ribs as you'll remember from biology when we were at school. Just agony every time I cough yeah. or sneeze. I mean, is, You're out is of this shape, just because mate. I'm really out of shape? You're out of shape. I'm not even hurting, you know. I was bending my bending my back, putting my all in. Well, I think that's the thing, though, isn't it? Because I, I just bowl, you know, much much faster than you do. I bowl much more... Well, I don't know. I think, well, I'd love to see the speed gun, but we've got, uh, you know, you've got to look after yourself, uh, you know, over the winter. But I remember... You look that- decent, uh, you know, you're putting the ball through, getting some bounce. Our... Uh, our Kind of 13-year-old star in the making. You know, very useful player in the team. Going to be a big player eventually. But at the moment, he's a very small player, literally. Uh, first ball in the nets, and you just threw down a ferocious bouncer. 
which he uh, which he handled really well. He did. He actually played it really well, but it did kind of surprise him. And it, if he hadn't, he got his hands up, got the bat up just in time, but it, it looked like it was about to clean him up in yeah. the head. And I felt really bad. But the problem is, he is, <laughs> he is about... I mean, this is no criticism of him. He is a young person, but he's about four foot ten. So pretty much every ball is a bouncer. It's difficult not to bowl a bouncer at him. Uh, but I did feel quite bad. What was ridiculous about the whole thing was that the whole winter and spring so far has been kind of wretched weather, you know, freezing conditions, howling winds. Uh, and the day of the first net, which is at the indoor cricket centre in Guernsey, which is basically like a hot shed, uh, <laughs> it was the first kind of hot or warmish day of the year, wasn't it? And it was just baking. Yeah, it was a beautiful evening, sun shining, barbecue weather. And we're like, how should we spend this evening? Let's go inside what is essentially a sauna and play cricket yeah. for an hour and a half. We're looking in good shape, though, Kobo. Well, I'm not looking in good shape. I tell you what, it really does hurt. I remember this though from when we were younger as well. Like, it, because bowling is just such an unnatural thing. That action, to you, you, yeah. That action, you just don't do it at all, except for when you're playing cricket. When you have like six months off over the winter, just that first session back, always agony for the next few days. What probably didn't help is that I did literally no warm up. Before. <laughs> no, no, we were <laughs> like, we were late. We were a obviously. bit late. Uh, we came in 15 minutes late and the coach went, oh, here comes the night shift. Yeah. And yeah, just went straight into bowling in the nets for an hour and a half. And that probably has something to do with why I'm in so much pain now. As happens in everything you've ever participated in, Tane, uh, you're very much the punchline of our team, aren't you? I don't know how this has actually happened. Yeah. I don't know how this actually has happened. Uh, because uh, you know, I took it very seriously last year. <laughs> Everything I did, I, you know, I did with a, a straight face. Yeah, I feel like you've, you've really tried hard and been really sincere in everything that you do. But yet somehow you're still a joke. To, to everyone yeah you're just like a real yeah, kind of figure of fun you're, you're the one that up. people make fun of well the one that people i mean this people make fun of things that they aspire to the butt of every joke aren't you yeah but i mean i'm also one of the team's leading performers on and off the pitch so you know <laughs> but, it, but this is the thing i mean firstly that's not really true but but also even if you do something good people still laugh about it like yeah. On Monday night, you were running up, and I thought actually bowling quite well. I mean, obviously not with the pace and hostility of of the Bayfields of this world, but you were bowling quite well. But like, there was one where you ran up and bowled a pretty good delivery, and the batsman just defended it, and the coach went, "Get it on the square, Tony," <laughs> like for no real reason. I'm just that guy, just to try and make everyone laugh. I am that guy, but I think it is partly because we always turn up late, and I always blame you because you're always giving me a lift. Uh, and you know we've turned up late for matches and stuff, so I think that's that's uh, uh, that we has still. a lot to do with it. Uh, but yeah, we were 15 minutes late on Monday night. This despite you driving like a total maniac on the way to the centre. Got to get us there, mate. Got to get us there. I mean, you saw the kind of reception I got. What if we'd been later? Uh, that's all I'll say. <laughs> it's terrifying, though. I honestly feel like I should be signing some kind of liability waiver every time I get a lift with you these days. There was one bit where we would... I mean, you were driving so close to the car in front. We were stuck behind this car that was doing about five miles an hour below I mean, the speed limit. Yeah, What can I just point out, though, just to give people some context of Guernsey? Tell, of course, I would never tailgate on the motorway. Uh, at 70 miles an hour, but you know, Guernsey's speed limit, you know, the maximum speed limit on any road is 35, many are 25, and some even slower. So it's inhumane to force someone, <laughs> I think, to drive at 35 miles an hour. That's point one. Uh, but point two is, you know, when at 20 miles an hour, I think you've got a right to get up behind someone and just let them know you're there. Just push on for that extra 10 or 15 miles I was like, Tone, you are really close to the bumper of that car in front. And you're like, yeah, I just like to get big in the mirror. Yeah, exactly. Just let them know you're there. Just to force them on. It's like they cannot slow down because because <laughs> they'll think be in about trouble. Stopping they because I'll be right into you. Yeah. But you also at one point there's these traffic lights by the the grammar school here in Guernsey, and the lights turn to orange. I'd say probably thirty yards out. Nah. And you and you just tore out you accelerated and tore around the corner and i was like jesus tane you just ran that red light you're like i didn't i didn't and we were like driving down the road you're like it's fine it's fine it was amber it was amber <laughs> but then we were driving off down the road and I, I got a phone call it was our friend will i was like you're right will what's up and he was like adam i just i don't know what to do i don't know whether i should phone the police i've just seen a car run a red light at the grammar school <laughs> i mean obviously he knew that it was you with me in the car i mean you did laugh but i think you were also a bit annoyed 
<laughs> yeah, I don't like to be criticised. <laughs> there is this kind of disconnect between what you think of your driving and what everyone else thinks of your mm, driving. Yeah, I think if you'd seen me on the go kart track, you'd have a you know you'd kind of have a fresh perspective on things. You know, I I understand why you know the limits on the road and like the rules of the road have to be tailored to the least capable people. But uh, you know, I don't feel like that should be the case. You know, well that's the point, let, though, isn't let it? Those I mean, of us who can. Do yeah. you? <laughs> that makes I mean, sense. you you might be the best driver in the world. You can be as as good as you like on a on an empty road, but there are other cars yeah. out there, and most of them are driven by idiots. And you kind of you have to be aware of that. Yeah, serious point to take away from tonight. Though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just as a public service broadcast, and also I feel that I should for any police authorities that might be listening, just say that we're completely exaggerating, inventing even for comedic for effect. comic effect. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, are you ready to kick off the show? Let's start with our screamingly popular item, Got a Question. Here's the jingle. Rock and roll. On this item, we say to listeners, have you got a question for us? And many of them say yes. Yes, we have got a question. They ask us questions, and what me and Tony do is we attempt to answer those questions if you've got a question you can email us worldcricketshow at gmail.com you can facebook us tweet at us facebook.com slash cricket show and twitter.com slash cricket show we've got lots of questions to get through tonight i say get through but it's it's not a chore <laughs> <laughs> let's just get this over with so we can all go home Tony, shall we uh the first question comes from graham duplessis on facebook it's a simple question do we need this much 2020 Possibly in reference to the fact that the IPL is in full swing at the moment. Is it just? But hey, Adam, have you seen the points table recently? Yeah, I'm looking at the points table right now and it's... <sighs> it's like it's, 2008 all over again. It's slightly distressing reading, uh, I have to say, because Rajasthan Royals are top of the table. My Rajasthan Royals. Tony Kerr's beloved Rajasthan Royals. They've played 5-1-4. They're sitting pretty on eight points, having played one game fewer than Royal Challengers Bangalore in second and the new franchise Sunrisers Hyderabad in third. My beloved Kings Eleven Punjab are down in fifth, uh, having won two and lost two. Delhi Daredevils have had a nightmare start to the season, played five, lost five. They are adrift at the bottom of the table. You know, There's a real divide opening up uh, in the IPL this year between those teams that have got eight points, yours, you've got four, and everyone else. So, I mean, the real divide... What are you talking about? The real divide that's there for all to see is the four-point gap between the Royals and the Punjab. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, but, I mean, there's also a team... And there's teams in Mumbai between. Indians so. on six oh, points as well. Mate, this is the exception There's a real divide the opening up between the three teams on eight points, the four teams on four points... And, and the, the other two and teams. And the other two teams <laughs> in the competition. Yeah. One of the uh, big stories so far, from an English perspective, certainly, is that Owen Morgan uh, has made runs for the Kolkata Knight Riders. Uh, yeah, what? Well, uh, Morgan, KKRs, Morgan, 161 runs, Adam, from five innings. 47 from 21 balls against the Sunrisers Hyderabad with five fours and three sixes. And 51 from 38 against the Royals, although that knock was in vain. So from an English perspective, that's that's pleasing, both because, you know, it suggests Morgan has got some kind of form and also... You know, in, in in the last couple of seasons, he's he's struggled to get a game. In fact, I don't think he played at all last year for Kolkata. And you know, you did feel that that was a bit of a waste because, for my money, he's one of the three or four best limited overs batsmen in the world. And you know, there was almost a sense that the Indian public, IPL fans, didn't really know what they were missing. Uh, so it's good to see that when given the opportunity, he's he's grasped it. And he's just about the only Englishman doing anything in the IPL. The county season's underway now, but yeah, there wasn't much interest in the English players in the auction and you wonder why, really. Yeah, I mean, obviously the county thing is important. Also, the fact that England's international season starts halfway through the IPL means that they're they're less interested in those players. But I do think there is a, a somewhat peculiar bias against English players at the auction. You'd think that for $100,000, it might be worth picking up Steve Finn or... Graham Swan because they've had an enormous amount of success in 2020 cricket in recent years even if it is for only half the season it would probably be worth it and yeah so I guess it's kind of satisfying for England fans to see that you know when given the opportunity Morgan is able to dominate the IPL in the way that he has for England. One thing that's worth pointing out is that you know obviously uh, as I say England's international season starts 
in the middle of May. But other than that, there's no international cricket going on at all, apart from Bangladesh playing Zimbabwe in a test series, but that's kind of irrelevant in relation to the IPL. The ICC has always been adamant that they wouldn't create a window for this competition, but there basically is one now. There's kind of an unspoken agreement between all the international boards that they won't arrange any fixtures in April and May. In a lot of ways, that does make sense because it it means that you're avoiding potentially awkward, potentially embarrassing uh, conflicts you know over who the players are going to play for you're avoiding a situation where players are choosing not to play international cricket so it does kind of make sense but do you think it maybe sets a dangerous precedent there's no shortage of other 2020 leagues all over the world if the IPL can get a window just by mm. sticking around is that a slightly dangerous precedent I'd, you'd have to argue probably though that uh, although I guess many of these, you can't really call them rival, but many of these other national 2020 tournaments haven't really gained that much momentum. Maybe the Big Bash this year, whoever was marketing that, did a pretty good job of getting some attention. I guess the, the Usain Bolt thing probably helped, but uh, that seemed to have quite a big share of the mind space. I don't know, that was that was live on Sky as well, so that made a slight difference. But other than that, I don't know how much room there is, uh, how much room there is for another another one to take the uh, to take any. To kind of time out the schedule. Yeah, well, what you're saying there is that the IPL is unique. It seems it seems unique at the moment. Yeah, I agree. You know, there was there was, and there might still be an opportunity for an English-based 2020 competition to do something. I mean, despite the fact that it was kind of the original one, uh, it's definitely lost its shine a bit, uh, and it would need a big rethink. And we've, we've kind of talked about it before in passing. You know, to kind of create any sort of buzz about it would would be quite hard work. I think. But other than that, I don't know, there's not much. I don't see there being that much scope. The Sri Lankan Premier League, the Bangladesh Premier League. There's one in Pakistan. Pakistan, now, yeah. Uh, Potentially one in the USA. All well and good. Obviously, any, uh, any country's domestic calendar is going to look a little bit odd without a 2020 competition at the moment, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be anything more than just a domestic competition. Clearly, the IPL is slightly more than that. But the only reason for that is because it's had all this money poured into it. If someone came along and just you know, threw money at a, a Sri Lankan Premier League, there's no reason why they wouldn't be able to attract all these international stars. And once they do that, then they're in the same situation mm. as the IPL. But surely the, 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 the money's been thrown at the IPL because there's an obvious return. Yeah, there's a, there's a market. There's yeah, there's a, a market, yeah. exactly. So there, you know, there, is, there is a reward there, whereas, you, I don't know, from a distance, you'd think maybe there wouldn't be that return available in Sri Lanka. That's a good point, I think. But the other thing about this is that, you know, at the moment, the IPL is just once a year. They have talked about doing a second edition of the event six months later. There's also the Champions League, which does have an official window. To me, I think it's just slightly worrying that they've managed to get this window just by existing, sticking at it, and therefore being able to kind of bend the will of all the international boards. And they've got a window. And it, and it might encourage them to think, you know what, if we have a second tournament... To begin with, we won't get a window, but if we just stick around and mm. keep attracting these players, we'll get another one. And that is a bit of a concern. Yeah, that would be a concern. I mean, it's really hard to say kind of what the uptake or what the support for a second tournament would be in India, not being there. But certainly, as you say before, the you know money talks and someone like Chris Gale isn't going to turn down another paycheck of X million, you know, to go and play for three weeks in August or something. So, yeah, you're right on that front. I think that would be a slight worry. You know, you can just imagine a kind of inexorable drift towards more and more of these 2020 leagues. And it's worrying to me because cards on the table, it's not my favourite thing. I mean, how how do you feel about the IPL? How do you feel about 2020 cricket in general at the moment? You know, the, the situation we find ourselves in right now. It's obviously the most talked about thing in cricket, isn't it? And we've talked about it a lot in the past, but what are your feelings now yeah i don't know it doesn't seem to change too much not much maybe has convinced me in the last you know the last couple of years it is a really it's a really hard one to balance clearly there is a lot of positive has come out a lot of positives have come out of the 2020 kind of phenomenon if you like in in cricket but i don't know from a from a cricket fan's perspective and i do obviously really like cricket it's not easy to get that excited about the ipl maybe it could sound bitter that it's just because it's not in England or it's, you know, it doesn't, there's no English players there. But it just seems a bit relentless. I think that's the thing for me. Like, I mean, I, I love 2020 cricket. I love cricket. So, so like, of course I love 2020 cricket. It's not my favourite format. You know, it's not, it's, it's nowhere near Test cricket. But 
I'm anything but a snob about it. Like, I'm not one of these MCC tie-wearing purists who just refuses to watch 2020 cricket. I do love it. It can be tremendously exciting. It's not always tremendously exciting. There's a, a myth that it's just constant excitement. I think it can, the format can, you know, inherently make it quite dull sometimes. Um, but yeah, I don't have a problem with 2020 cricket. I do have a problem with the IPL. I mean, firstly, I think one of the problems is just personally, I'm not a big fan of franchise cricket. I, I just prefer international cricket. I mean, that's largely because that's what I've grown up with. I find it hard to get behind any of the franchises in the way that I do international teams and not just England. Like when, when West Indies play New Zealand, it matters to me in a way that it doesn't matter to me when, you know, the Daredevils play the Royal Challengers. I just have no horse in that race. It's it, it's not of interest to me, really. Maybe if I was from India, that would be different, but I'm not convinced it would be necessarily if it was a similar situation in England. I, I'm not sure I, I would care about English franchises. A related problem to that is that I think the standard of cricket in the IPL is quite a bit lower than it is in international cricket. You know, we've seen in, in previous years some really hopeless fielding. I think that's been a bit better this year. There's actually been some fantastic catches in this year's IPL, but there's no doubt that overall the cricket is of a, a lower quality. But the main problem that I have with the IPL is, you know, it's something that we talk about all the time, and it, we talk about it in a, a jokey way, but it is more serious than that as well. It, it's the presentation of it, you know, the cheerleaders, the sponsorship, the atrocious commentary. It's garish and it's vacuous. And it's depressing, I think. It, it's it's commodifying and commercialising cricket in a way that I find objectionable. The commentators are constantly yelling down the microphone about how exciting everything is, presumably at the organiser's behest, although then at the same time, the organisers seem to be also assuming that the cricket isn't interesting enough to hold people's attention, which is why they've got the, the cheerleaders and things. But yeah, I don't know, it, it just seems to be taking itself very seriously. You know, maybe it would be fine if it was just a bit of fun, you know, a diversion once a year, but... I think it has loftier ambitions than that. I think it kind of sees itself as the pinnacle of the game. And uh, to me, that's just not true. You know, I, if it's going to be the the public face of cricket, like what, what people see in the outside world when they, they look at cricket, uh, that's a bit upsetting to me, I think. it's It can be exciting, it can be dramatic, but it isn't the sport that I fell in love with, I suppose. I just get the tissues then. <laughs> uh, no, I, I yeah, I, I agree with most of that. You know, it is it's clearly caught in some middle ground between a kind of aspiration to be like you know American sport with you know the names and the yeah and all, all the razzmatazz of it, which it hasn't quite well not hasn't quite it clearly hasn't hit. You know, it's it's not comparable, is it, to an NFL match or something like that? It just doesn't have the same. You know, for some reason that just works, and I guess it's just because what people have got used to. And it's not, not to say it might not work uh, eventually. You know, clearly one thing it is lacking is history. There's only, it's only the what, what now sixth. sixth year, so it's only the sixth year of the IPL. There's not much legend. There's not much you can say about oh, the great so and so side of so and so year. Yeah, or when people say, oh, you know, he's. He's the fifth highest run scorer in IPL history. Yeah. It's just like, I don't care. <laughs> doesn't, yeah, exactly. It doesn't just doesn't matter, does yeah. it? Uh, so that, that's something that could come with time. Uh, I kind of, in football terms, I'm used to seeing all the teams play at the same time relatively on one day or at least over a weekend. You know, in cricket terms, kind of used to teams playing at the same time, even though I don't follow county cricket, you know, most of the, ma the matches do generally happen in the same window. Or in international cricket, you know, you've got series and things happen once a week whereas in the IPL you just can't you, you know if you lose track of it for a few days you just it's, it's gone I think having games every day works in a tournament but in the same way that yeah 50 over World Cups in cricket have been a bit of a nonsense in recent years this this format just doesn't work I'd much rather them and they won't do it but I'd much rather them have all games taking place on the same day even if it was twice a week you know what an evening match and a weekend match I know they wouldn't do it but that would be my plea. It would kind of make it more, just more entertaining. I think you, then, then you get that whole match day excitement where there's games going all over the place. You know, I would, I would probably watch a, a kind of roundup show previewing all the games, comment like kind of dipping in and out of all of them, and then an analysis at the end. I'd, I would probably watch that. Whereas I'm not going to watch a game every day for was it eight weeks or something. Yeah, I think it is a very flawed tournament in terms of organisation. I mean, there are 76 matches, which is probably 50 too many and that obviously is a turn off but I don't want people to think that you know I'm in some way predisposed to dislike the IPL and I think you know both you and I really 
have given it a good go over the years, you know, in terms of getting into it. But I just really haven't been sold on it. The way it's presented and the fact there are so many games and everything like that, it's just extremely disposable. I'll sit down and watch it and, you know, maybe enjoy the game if it's an exciting finish. I will enjoy it. But as soon as I get up from the sofa and go off and do something else, I've forgotten about it, um, which is not the case with Test Cricket, where you sort of live it. it is, it's, it's very disposable. It's a bit, I think it's a bit like fast food as opposed to the, the, the gourmet banquet that is <laughs> Test Cricket. Yeah, and just as you wouldn't have a gourmet banquet every day, you know, that's the, the beauty of Test Cricket. You probably wouldn't have fast food twice a day for <laughs> eight weeks, would you? You'd kind of, you know, you do need... Well, if you did, you'd probably make a documentary about it. <laughs> you do need time to digest. But it's, uh, yeah, it all comes back to nature. Just you know, IPL organisers, look at nature. <laughs> look at the way we consume food. Uh, OK, right, let's move on. We've got uh, another question. This one is from Andy Nunny. Is Mike Gatting the most overrated England captain ever? Two wins in 23 matches as captain. I think it's true that Gatting does have quite an inflated reputation when you consider that statistic. I mean, I don't think anyone would make a case for him being the greatest England captain ever or, or, or even in the mix, but he's not remembered as a disaster, which you could argue he probably should be, given a record of two wins in 23 matches. The reason for that inflated reputation, I think, is because he won the Ashes in Australia. He only won two games, but those two games were in Australia, were enough to secure the Ashes, and no other England team won the Ashes until... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Strauss's England in, in 2010-11. So that's why he has a high reputation. I mean, there are some other England captains with quite inflated reputations as well, I think. David Gower, five wins in 32 matches. Ian Botham, no wins in 12 matches. Which I think when you consider the way Sky... <laughs> markets his commentary team as like you know it's packed full of former england captains which it is but uh at least <laughs> two of those former england captains were uh massive flops but what do you think they do you think maybe you have to look beyond the statistics when it comes to captaincy i mean this is a, a more general point than, than just gatting but would it be fair to say that a lot depends on how good your team is when it comes to as- uh, assessing how good you are as a captain. Yes, that's true. I mean, I, you know, cricket has got such a rich history and it really, I can only, I'm only qualified to talk about my lifetime. I don't know, probably, you know, I can, t- can speculate about the past. I'm always up for a bit of idle speculation. Oh, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Gatting, you know, Gatting was was there when I was born, I guess. So, you know, I was young. It was difficult for me to take in in my kind of first couple of years exactly to kind of provide a good assessment of Catting's qualities. <laughs> the nuances of his field placing. <laughs> you know, uh, the bright lights of the TV probably excited me at the time. But uh, yeah. Still do. Still do, yeah. Sometimes, just... you know, you walk into the room, I just switch the TV on and you'll just sit there clapping. <laughs> yeah, going, yeah. <laughs> Uh, just stick like the tweenies on or something for you you're loving it I'll just go off and uh, make a cup of tea and read a book for a while in short the answer to the question is yes Uh, I'd love to draw a little diagram of it but presumably the quality of your side has a certain limit to its achievement Uh, and you'd hope good captaincy could raise that upper limit a little bit so you know there is there's an argument to say that a good captain would make a bad team better uh, but in our lifetime, you know, I don't know, like Atherton is a very good talker of the game, isn't he? He's a good, seemed like a pretty good skipper. But great then, cricket brain, yeah. Yeah, not, you know, not, not a great record in Tani, so. Yeah, and he just, he just didn't have the team to back up his ideas, did he? And, I, you know, there, there's a, a famous cliche that a captain is only as good as his bowlers. Um, and I think there's a lot of truth in it. 
I always think of Michael Vaughan as being the greatest England captain ever. And statistically, he is the best. He's got the most test wins. I don't think there's any doubt that he had a great cricket brain, was an exceptional tactician. But undeniably, his greatest asset was that he had the bowling attack to back him up. If Gatting had had Flintoff, Hoggard, Harmison at his best, you know, he would have been much more successful than he was. And if Vaughan had been lumbered with some of the England bowlers from the late 80s and the 90s, he wouldn't have been England's greatest test captain. So, yes, I think you could definitely argue that captaincy is probably the most overrated thing in cricket. If you've got a brilliant team, then pretty much anyone can lead it. Ricky Ponting won series after series as Australian skipper, didn't he? And I, I think, in my view, he, he was probably a, a relatively poor captain. But all of that said, while I think it's overrated, it isn't irrelevant. You know, we're, we're talking about extremes there. The greatest side ever in Ponting's Australia and, you know, a very poor side in, in the England of the 90s. If you've got a brilliant team or you've got a rubbish team, it doesn't matter who leads it. But an average team can be made better by a good captain. And, and if you've got a very tight contest between two evenly matched teams, the captains can influence the outcome. Whoever's got the better captain has got an advantage if they if they can come up with imaginative field placings, you know, good plans to batsmen. And also if they can lead by example, I think Graham Smith is one of the, the great captains and not because of, you know, what he does with field placings or anything like that, but just because he's such a dominating batsman that he does go a long way to demoralising the opposition. And that is really important as well. So yeah, it's not irrelevant. We might only be talking about degrees, but I think those degrees are important. Yeah, I mean, you go back, there's some pretty wretched records really in terms of wins. Wally Hammond... You know, four wins in 20. Not not brilliant, is it? But then you hear Wally Hammond's name quite a lot. Well, he did score a lot of runs yeah, as well. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is hard to... Uh, <laughs> it depends what circles you move in, really, doesn't it? To say whether whether you hear Wally Hammond's name or not. Uh, yeah, but, you know... It, constantly. People are just constantly talking about Wally Hammond. It is hard, though, to separate uh, a player's record as a player and a captain, you know, you know, if you if you're scoring a lot of runs, or if you're playing well on the pitch, even if you don't play so well as if you, even if you don't captain the side so well, it's more quickly forgotten. Uh, another question from at dihs blog on Twitter. Uh, he's got two questions actually. How is Tony Kerr coming along with his book, and how's the surf in Guernsey? We went for a swim the other day, Tony, didn't we? Well, I went for a swim. You splashed some water on your face and then ran back <laughs> up the beach screaming. <laughs> It was, I mean, it is. And this is the thing, and this is the thing, is that you will wrap yourself up in, like, eight-degree balm, balminess. Uh, you know, you'll be wrapped up in a beanie and, a, like, a winter jacket and gloves. I thought you were going to swear then, so chill out. <laughs> wrap yourself up in a beanie and a <laughs> jacket. Gloves and everything. You know, I don't know why you're so angry about yeah, it. Yeah, but when it's, like, you know, perfectly nice and it's just, you know, t-shirt weather uh and then you're going like frolicking icy cold sea for a long time so you know there's contradictions there and i don't know why i should receive criticism for getting out of the sea when you don't well i do criticize you for <laughs> wearing, <laughs> wearing a beanie but yeah fair enough yeah but which is more hardcore though being able to to swim in arctic water or it's not about what's hardcore it's about what's kind of enjoyable they call me the human polar bear uh, but no, it was freezing. Uh, there was good surf. Yeah. <laughs> Afterwards, I was like, Tony, you didn't even get your head under. You're like, I did. I was like, well, that's a lie. You're like, no, a wave hit me and a bit of water splashed yeah. on my head. Uh, genuinely, though, the, pain, the, the ankle pain was too much for me to bear, so <laughs> I went up and enjoyed the sunshine. Yeah, I mean, it, it's literally record low temperatures in the sea here in Guernsey at the moment, isn't it? Mm. It's the coldest it's ever been. I'm, I'm literally going in every day. I'm furious. Uh, uh, the book front. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it... It is amazing, and it's a good example of how time just kind of ticks on. And before you know it, it's been about six weeks or something <laughs> since you gave me that book, but I will start it. For listeners that are perhaps unfamiliar with the podcast, Tony famously never reads books. His New Year's resolution was to read a book a week, which he hastily downgraded to, to read a book. Uh, I gave him a book on the show a while back, Netherland by Joseph O'Neill. It's got a bit of cricket in it. Uh, he reckoned it would take him two weeks to read and he's not read it at all. And what are we now, seven or eight weeks it's later? still by my bedside. I'm getting the sense that you're not going to read Netherlandine. So what I've done is I've brought another book for you. It's got cricket in it. 
and it's quite a bit shorter, which I thought might. Right, is this because this kind of because what you did, uh, and hopefully was provide me with the book, and then also provide me with a string of bad reviews <laughs> to read. So I read those. Well, this book, uh, according to Mick Jagger, is very original. I loved it. A right. gem, says Sally Vickers. This is such a delight. I wish I'd written it, according Suspense to Suzanne and Dunn. Uh, it's 24 for 3 by Jenny Walker. Do you want to hear the synopsis? Friday. As a test match between England and India begins, a woman's attention is torn between her husband, who is all too keen to explain the rules, her lover who prefers mystery, and her 16-year-old stepson who hasn't come home. By Tuesday night, the match will have been won or lost, or it may have reached a draw in which only pride may be salvaged. Whatever the outcome, the lives of all the players will be changed forever. 24 for 3 is a perfectly crafted, bittersweet and bewitching story about love, family, passion and whether or not one should always play by the rules. And it's only 135 pages. Is this one of those chiclet books? Chiclet. Chiclet. Well, Mick Jagger enjoyed it. Is that the Mick Jagger, though? (laughs) I presume so, yeah. (laughs) Who else is it? (laughs) Just, uh, Just another... It is really short. I'd get to that in a couple of weeks, mate. (laughs) (laughs) If I will, I be embarrassed if I'm seen with that. Well, the cover because the cover is just described that it's pale blue, and there's a woman uh, in a red dress with a floppy cricket hat on. She's just watching the cricket, isn't she? She's basically watching the cricket. Yeah. Well, you can always put it inside a a Batman comic or something. It's published by Bloomsbury, though. That's a name I recognise. They did Harry Potter. Sign seal of authenticity, (laughs) whatever you call it. I think it's actually. As far as I'm aware, it's a reasonably well-respected novel. Winner of the McKitterick Prize, 2008. I think you could actually get through that, Tone. I'll do my best. You might remember on, on the most recent show that I pro- produced a composite 11 of England in the post-Atherton era, uh, and it was wildly popular, Tone. People have been going bonkers for it. Uh, and some listeners have been suggesting turning it into a semi-regular feature uh, where I devise a composite 11 for each test team in the post-Atherton era. I'm really keen. Well, I'm glad you said that because I've, I've, <laughs> I've already got going with it. Uh, I've, I'm doing West Indies this week. Okay. I don't think we're going to do this every week, if for no other reason than I'll run out of teams very quickly, but just do it every now and again. I think we probably need to put a year on it rather than just saying post-Atherton. I was going to say, can we define, is it the post, the start of Atherton exactly, or the end? Uh, I say post-Atherton, but really I'm including the Atherton era. Yeah, Atherton and post-Atherton. Atherton yeah. and onwards. I'm going to go for 1994. Basically, 1994 is is when I started watching cricket. And I'm saying that as long as they were playing in 1994, they can have retired in 1995, but I'm only including them on the basis of their exploits from 1994 onwards. So I won't include a great of the game who retires in 1995 after one average year. You know, they have to have been brilliant in that period. See, I'm doing West Indies this week. Obviously, the period I'm talking about here coincides more or less precisely with their decline (laughs) as a cricketing force. But they still have had some exceptional players in that time, uh, particularly in the 90s. So this is the team that I've come up with. Openers, Chris Gale and Sherwin Campbell. Uh, Number three, a man by the name of Brian Lara. Then in the middle order, Richie Richardson, who's my captain, Shivnarine Chandapal and Jimmy Adams. My wicketkeeper is Ridley Jacobs. And then I've gone for a four-man seam attack. Curtly Ambrose, Courtney Walsh, Kenny Benjamin and Corey Collimore. That last name might be a, a slightly controversial selection because a lot of people think of him as quite an average player, but I actually thought he was pretty good. I don't think he got as many wickets as maybe he should have done. He was often quite unlucky, I think. He still averaged only just over 30 in 30 tests, which isn't setting the world alight, but I think he's well ahead of all of his rivals for that slot in the past two decades. So that's my team time. What do you make of that? Can you think of any glaring omissions? Uh, just run through the, that, that, the bowlers again. Uh, just a four-man pace attack. Curtly Ambrose, Courtney Walsh, Kenny Benjamin, Corey Collimore. Lost C's, Curtly, well. Courtney, Corey, Kenny. No place for Carl Hooper. I did think about Carl Hooper. I thought long and hard about it. I woke up last night in a cold <laughs> sweat thinking, Hooper! Uh, but in the end, I decided that he just didn't quite have the record. I think he only averaged about 30 or so. And I, I thought maybe I'll have him in as captain, but Richie Richardson, superior skipper for me. No spinner in there. I can't think of a West Indies spinner that really has stood out in the last couple of decades. Still have been for a while, but really only for a year or so. 
So I'd be looking to Gale and Jimmy Adams to to provide the spin options there. No place for Darren Ganger in there? <laughs> no place for Darren Ganger, mate. Uh, no, that seems pretty reasonable. I mean, there's a definite skew towards the early part of the post-Atherton era there. But obviously, West Indies were a much better side then. Well, they were better in the 90s than they were in the noughties, weren't they? I think there are some players around now who, uh, in the future, would, would display some of those. Kimar Roach will almost certainly turn out to be a, a superior test player to Corey Collimore. But I think, you know, he's still got a lot to do. So yeah, that's my team. I'll do another Test Nation at some point. Listeners might like to let us know what they think and if they've got any other suggestions. Okay, here's one for you, Adam. The Wisdom's Cricketer of the Year, or Cricketers of the Year. Yeah. How pointless is it? <laughs> Am I right? As you would say. Uh, do you know what I mean? Because it's like a big news story every year. It's like, oh. Compton got it this year. Yeah, exactly. Like Nick Compton, Cricketer of the Year. Top story. Nick Compton has been named as one of Wisdom's Cricketers of the Year. Fair play great achievement it's cool like his dad got it as well granddad his granddad got it as well (laughs) (laughs) so he swallowed grand yeah (laughs) the kind of uh stipulation is though that you you know you can't be named twice now how many cricketers are making their debut in a year (laughs) not that many it's it's like one it's like five of it's not okay not technically debuts but but how many players are actually you know the pool is like 10 or something well yeah a lot of a lot of england's players who maybe would be you know up for the award can't get it because they've had it already so yeah i agree with you it's a it's a it is slightly pointless also having five in a year i think is a bit ridiculous because that just means there's a hell of a lot of them and yeah i'm not sure it should be a, a, a big news story in the way that it was this week it pushed the the thatcher stuff off the front page of it <laughs> at one point yeah it just struck me as, it just strikes me as weird uh anyway uh we've got through a lot of questions there there's there's lots more but time is pushing on it's not really possible to get through all these questions i don't think we'll do one more we'll do more next week one final question it comes from james travers do you ever get hate mail not really is the answer to that we've had bad reviews haven't we not not many and and none for quite a while that's not an invitation to people uh but uh we did get a bad review we we did a podcast before this podcast didn't we Tone? you might remember i think we've mentioned this before we? before we created the world cricket show some years before we had a podcast called the world cricket podcast can people still find this because we don't want them to they can't find it no Thankfully. don't look for it it's not there anymore <laughs> to to quote spinal tap it wasn't the best podcast ever produced i mean that, listeners might find that hard to believe that we're capable of producing anything <laughs> other than gold uh, but the word i'd use to describe most of those six episodes is unlistenable uh largely because well, how many of us were there about five six Possibly five Seven. or six. I think all around to begin with, we recorded it into a laptop mic. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's a bit rough around the edges, <laughs> to say the least. We were all just talking over each other, weren't we? And often just talking about other things. Like, people would just forget that they were <laughs> recording something. And I think there's one episode where there's about a 20-second silence because we're just watching the tennis. <laughs> and someone just goes, shot! And that's, <laughs> and that's the end of it. <laughs> it's a lot more... Uh, yeah, it's different times they did back then, wasn't it? You know, it was a more experimental we, yeah, well, era. We were idiot kids, weren't we? But yeah, we've taken all those episodes down. I think we only got no one really listened to it. I think we only got one iTunes review, uh, but it just said uh, it was one star, and it said, uh, "Unfortunately, just a bunch of posh boys with too much time on their hands." And I think we all said, "You know, oh, not bothered." You know, that's just one person's opinion. That's just one person's opinion. You know, then the next episode, we were all there like, oh, how's it going? Yeah, what what are we talking about tonight then? Cricket, is it? No, is it when it was? was... Are we talking about Ashim Amlar or... uh... (laughs) (laughs) The side notes now, in which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week. I've got a couple of good ones here for you, Tane. Uh, This first one comes from a little website called Crick Info. Tendulkar set for pitch debut. Sachin Tendulkar has been on TV screens around the world for over two decades, but he's now set to make his debut in animated form as part of a new series called Master Blasters. Tendulkar will travel the world in his, quote, spaceship come stadium, playing cricket matches with and against some of the best cricketing talent on offer. He even has his own arch rival, Peter, who looks to humiliate the hero at every turn. In the series, Tendulkar is appointed by the Programme for International Training of Cricket Heroes, or PITCH, to run a training camp for the finest young cricketers around the world. Tendulkar will feature, along with an assortment of 12 kids, 
with the series promising elements of comedy, life coaching, and of course, cricket. Tendulkar says he was a Superman fan in his youth. Here's his chance to live yet another dream. What do you make of that tone? I love the fact that his enemy is called Peter. Yeah. It's like the, the very... most unimaginative <laughs> name. It's brilliant. Not particularly threatening. I don't know, you know where's the jeopardy? Is, is, yeah. Does Peter, got can like, Peter kill Sachin? got Lex Luthor, the Green Goblin, Dr. Octopus, Peter. It's a bit of a bewildering plot, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't really follow it. But he's in a spaceship, but he's only going to other places in the world. Well, I think there's, from what I understand, it's a spaceship <laughs> that turns into a cricket stadium as well. And so I think he's going around finding people to play cricket on his spaceship. I don't know, Tane. I don't understand. It's been a long day and this article doesn't give me that much information. (laughs) But but yeah. Where can we see it? I also don't know the answer to that. Probably if you look on the internet, you might be able to find it. Most things seem to be on there these days. But yeah, might be, you know, people might grow up with this show. They might, you know, remember it nostalgically in the way that we remember Round the twist. <laughs> Round the twist. Yeah, Keenan and Kel. I yeah. Sport and kind of dramatisation of sport. It's just a no-go, is it? It's never worked and it never will. You say that. What about that show, animated show with that kid who had the magic baseball glove? Do you remember that? Didn't see that. He'd get like, if he put his baseball glove on, he could make a wish. And I, I only remember this because I, probably the last time I saw it was, was when I was about six. But there was a kid at my school who out of the blue, came up to me and told me that he <laughs> had a magic baseball glove. You believed and it. And that he could make a wish with it. And I was just like, I, I called him out on it. I was like, I've seen that show, you mate. You were a sceptic even I was, then. I was like, listen, mate, I've seen that show. thing is with sport is that, you know, and, and it backs up, it, it corroborates the often heard statement, you literally couldn't write this or you couldn't have written the script. Uh, because when any kind of sport is featured in the film, it's impossible to write a script that is believable. It's an amazing kind of kind of discord between how seemingly easy it is to write a script about sport and how difficult it actually is because they're my, all so but you're like so predictable. One of my favorite things is sports commentators having to read a script <laughs> yeah. like either for a video game or for a film or something. Uh, is, is there a film that's got David Lloyd in it and he just suddenly becomes so wooden? <laughs> yeah. He's like, it looks like a great pitch out there for batting. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's like David Lloyd's Jaguar commercial. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Both of them. It's yeah. just awful. And yeah, but you're right though, like sports in movies, like, it doesn't work because you essentially, you kind of know that they're going to win, don't you? They have to win. There's no jeopardy. Probably the worst example of sports in a movie, the film Wimbledon. Up there. Absolutely yeah. terrible. <laughs> It just doesn't look like they're playing tennis at all. Anyway, one last side note. It's a very quick one, Tane. Uh, it comes from The Independent. Win at all costs. Most children admit to cheating at sport. Two out of three children admit to cheating in school sports because they feel under pressure to win, according to a survey released today. The survey of just over 1,000 children aged 8 to 16 also revealed that 75% believed their teammates would cheat if they believed they could get away with it. Only 16% felt their teammates would feel guilty if they won through cheating, while 37% believed their teammates would not care, while 5% said they would be happy or proud if they cheated. Opinion is divided, though, on whether cheating has got worse in school sports in recent years, with 34% of parents saying it has got worse and 36% that it has not. Derek Brewer, the chief executive of the MCC, said, quote, This survey highlights the pressures children feel under when playing sport. With this backdrop... It is vital that children are taught the importance of playing sport in the correct spirit. Did you ever cheat at school, Tone? Not to put you on the spot or anything. Uh, Would you tell me if you no, have? No, I don't know. I don't think so. No. This is the nonsense. It's the nonsense, that. What do you mean it's a nonsense? I don't know. But there's no, there's no conclusion, is there? Half people thought this, half people thought that. Well, there was one uh, statistic, what was it, that uh, two out of three children have admitted to cheating in sport at school. That's a lot, isn't it? Or do you think that's just human nature that people cheat mm. you have to define cheating though don't you first well like in cricket i suppose there's degrees of it isn't there like if you if if as a bowler you know that the batsman's inside edge to but you still go up for lbw and he's given out that's cheating yeah there's lots of cheating in cricket isn't there there's yeah and also if you edge it you the batsman knows if the umpire doesn't give it you don't go oh yeah you, it's just kind of well some legalized do walk, cheating but some do don't. very few yeah but that's but then that's kind of considered acceptable but it wouldn't be acceptable to claim a catch that you knew no. has hit the ground, which is kind of bizarre in a way. But yeah, there's there's different degrees of it. <laughs> Our friend Nick, have you ever like played cards with him? Because he sees cards. The point of it is just to try and 
get away with as yeah. much cheating as you possibly can. But like that's what it's about. <laughs> it really annoys me because like I just try and play it honestly. But like we're playing like uh, some card game, and Nick won. And at the end, you know, I was like, oh, well played. Yeah, good game. Good game, old old chap. <laughs> and we stood up, and I just saw there was like a big pile of cards under the table that Nick had just thrown under there. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really see the point. <laughs> You're only cheating yourself, aren't you? <laughs> that's, that's the saying. Oh, and also me, in yeah. that case. Much like Maggie Thatcher's funeral, this episode of The World Cricket Show has been either a glorious celebration of everything that's great about Britain or a colossal waste of time and money, depending on your point of view. Have you enjoyed this one, Tane? Have you enjoyed being back in the studio? Yeah, it's felt good. It's felt good, just like being back in the nets, you know. It's all, it all comes back. <laughs> Fortunately, it's only been a week, so... I'm going to be aching tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, my... My brain's going to be aching after all the brilliant points that we've been coming out <laughs> with there. Uh, we've got a big weekend the... coming up, Tane. Two of our best friends are getting married to each other. Uh, our friend Will, who listeners might remember from the beginning of this episode, uh, is marrying his partner, Cassie. Uh, so, we, so we're going to the wedding. I've yeah, got my speech fun. ready. yeah. Uh, I'm not the best man or anything. Uninvited. Unwelcome I thought what I'd do at the end, you know, the best man gives his speech, you know, the the bridegroom, the father of the bride. I thought after that I'd just get up and I might just play a clip of the world cricket show because as much as this wedding sounds like it's going to be good, I was talking to Will about it the other day, sounds like there's some good plans for it, it's not enough about me. Yeah. So maybe I'll just, I'll play some world cricket show and get everyone to listen to that. That's a good idea, mate. I'll I'll support you-ish. Well, anyway, yes. We're going to be back next week with some stories of wedding hijinks, no doubt. But in the interim, if listeners want to get more involved in the World Cricket Show, there's a number of ways that they can do that. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show. That's where it's all happening. You can tweet all over us, twitter.com slash cricket show. You can tweet all over Tony at Tony Cover, T-O-N-Y-C-V-R-R. Send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Leave us a review on iTunes. We do really appreciate all of those. And if you visit our online website, www.cricketshow.net, you can purchase your World Cricket Show t-shirt. It's just £15. Summer's coming. Including free shipping to anywhere in the world. So order yours today. But that's about it for this week. I think Tony's put his shoes on. He's got his car keys keys out. He's desperate to get out of here. Well, you're off to a curry. Go get a curry, yeah. Yeah. A curry that you organised after knowing that the... uh, the podcast, yeah. Know. But you were late. You were late to get here. So. Three minutes, maybe about six or seven minutes, which is <laughs> the key time that's been lost. We lost six minutes of this episode. Six minutes of banter at the yeah. end, haven't we? And uh, listeners gone, can decide who they blame. <laughs> anyway, stay in school, lads, and we'll see you next time. See it. Bye for now. Gotta get a new outro. Can smell your fear. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.